Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you understand and navigate these hypersexualized times of ours and win at life, love, and making babies, lineage, baby. And in today's episode, we have a family, a family, people, a high noon family. It's unbelievable. This is really a podcast unlike any we've done before because we're interviewing an entire family. That's a husband, a wife, and three kids spanning from 14 to mid-20s. And I was just blown away. I requested this interview just on a prayer, hoping that an entire family would agree to recording this podcast. And they totally did. Not only that, they prepared the night before for the podcast, emotionally, spiritually. I had a wonderful time, but more importantly... I gained a lot from this, and I know, I guarantee you will too. If you're a parent yourself, please take notes. If you're a kid, please take notes, because this is all about how to live in the high noon as a family, regardless of where you sit in the family, as a child, as a parent, doesn't matter. It will be helpful to everybody. So please welcome the Fontaines all the way from Canada. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm with a very special family. They're a family that I consider a high noon family because they're all in on the conversation and they have a strong tradition as of laying their cards on the table and talking about difficult stuff instead of avoiding it, which is like a family that I grew up in and most people are familiar with is I have a problem, I'm going to keep it to myself. Whereas they talk about stuff, even to the point where the father in this dynamic, we had a very, <laughs> I don't know, we went from zero to a hundred miles an hour when I was in Toronto at the church during lunch. It was like, wow, this is a very open conversation. It was amazing. So it's been something that I've witnessed progressively over the course of a couple years, right? Since I've been working with the son and who I'm talking about is the Fontaines. I'd like for you guys to introduce yourselves one by one, starting with Josh, because you're the first person that we've been in contact with, right? Yeah. Okay. So starting with Josh, your name and what are you doing in your life? I guess you're in school. No, you're not. Anyway, I'll let you. Oh, we're done with that. (laughs) Technically, I guess. It's yourself. What am I doing? All right. Yeah. Hello, High Noon World. Yeah, I'm Josh, Joshua Fontaine, as Andrew uh, so beautifully put out. I graduated from kinesiology program about exercise science in April this of 2020. So I guess it's last year. And I've been working in an elementary school as an assistant teacher, trying to help out all the adorable little kiddos that are there. And yeah, I don't know. I've just been really busy with doing a lot of activities with youth and my community, doing a lot of work with guys in the high noon realm. I'm a facilitator for high noon. It's been something that I've been really enjoying doing since. I think I started facilitating with high noon in June or July of 2018. It was like third round. Yeah, it was somewhere around then. And I haven't looked back. Let's consider this to be like a heavenly virus. So it started with you. And then who is the next person that you spoke with in your family? Yeah, I think that'll be my dad. <laughs> okay, so have your dad introduce himself. So hi, everybody. Uh, hi, Noon World. Uh, my name is Jacques Fontaine. I'm native from Quebec, the north of Quebec. About uh, two and a half years ago, Josh talked to me about High Noon. And since I had been struggling with porn in a long, long time, pretty much all my life, of course, my antenna went up right away when he talked to me about it. I wanted to know more and turned out that one of my very, very, very close and good friends, Pierre Beauregard, was highly involved with High Noon. So I ended up joining his group about two years ago, two and a half years ago, and I've been in his group since that time. Amazing. And I really enjoy it. 
A little bit about me. Um, I work as a bilingual customer service in the power sports, motorcycle, snowmobile, ATVs. So that's the kind of work I do. So. Very cool. Thank you. That sounds like a very fancy job. <laughs> <Gotta say. laughs> it's got a cooler name than it is. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> That's cool. And then from you, who is the next person who was introduced? Of course, I made my wife struggle a lot, so she's the <laughs> next one. <laughs> so let's hear from you, Mademoiselle. Oh, yes. My name is Marie Pia Fontaine. I'm from Italy. I joined in, uni- in New York. And uh, for me, Divine Principle is my guideline. But then with my life and in my marriage life, so difficult. I'm working with the children. I'm a cooker. I'm not super educated person. I don't have degree, but that's why I'm difficult to speak in front of people. I'm scared. But for this situation like that, I really want to help young people. Yes, thank you. And for me, Anun is the way that we can reach teenagers from all different kind of religion, culture, uh, background, and really even my cousin found out about it. So I really want to use this a bridge for me even to introduce who I am and what my religious background is. So I'm very appreciated by the unknown. I really, before I didn't know, I was not trusting so much. <laughs> so many groups, crazy groups, you know. I yeah. So I was like, oh, what is this? I want to make sure, you know, I'm like that. But then when I saw my son changing and be honest and my daughter, I was very, very happy. Yeah. And a, a special thank you to you for showing up because I know you don't like these things. Or I know it was a challenge, but you showed yeah. up anyway. And I think that's the theme of you and your support is not always fun, but you do it because you know it's valuable. So thank you. And then from you. I give it to my daughter. Okay. She's my queens. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name's Angela Fontaine, the eldest child, though some people think it's Josh. <laughs> I'm going to say that's because I look young. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm in my final year of university studying psychology. I'm trying to survive this online COVID school thing. It's not my thing. I'm really going to be happy when it's done. And I work as a daycare teacher, which is great. Didn't think I was going to do that. So both me and my brother are teachers. It's fun. Yeah, and I first really learned about High Noon in 2017 at Top Gun. Andrew, you came to Top Gun, I think, and you, like, for, I think, two days, you talked about High Noon and what it was and the importance of it. And it was, like, the first time I had heard of such a thing. It was a really big moment for me because I had struggled with porn in my life growing up when I was a teenager. But by the time we had gone to High Noon, I had dealt with it. I overcome it on my own. But I had no idea that other people within our movement, other second gen and young people dealt with it too. thought I was kind of alone. So High Noon at Top Gun was the first time I really heard about it and learned of it, which opened up a lot for me. And so the first person I talked to was Josh because he was at Top Gun and Chump Young with me. And then when I came home, it was the first time I was finally comfortable enough to open up and talk to my whole family about it. Wow. Or at least my mom first then my dad, and so on. So cool. Even these introductions, like usually people are like, hi, my name is such and such, and I like the color red. And then that's it. You guys are going deep right away. I don't think you know how uncommon and amazing you guys are. It's really a treat. We just like to talk a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, is that more French, French or more talk. Italian? Who likes to speak more, French people or Italian people? I think both. <laughs> I don't know, they speak differently. Depend what they talk about. What about Johnny? Hey. Now, who else? We got one more. 
Last but not least. Uh, hello, my name is Jonathan. I knew about High Noon for a few years before I actually joined it. I've only been in High Noon for eight months. Your third cycle, I think. So yeah. Seven, eight months now. Seven, eight months. Feels longer, but I am 14 years old and currently in the ninth grade. Still hate it. Cool. <laughs> and I like video games a lot. This is factual. Very cool. Thank you, guys. And I mean, that leads me to my first question, which is, have you always been this open about sex? What was the topic of sex like growing up in the house? Was it a comfortable topic or was it like a feared topic or was it an ignored topic? I think this is an answer that's actually quite different for each of us. So like for me, growing up, while it was a challenge, I think to talk about it, I look back on it and I don't think it was as rough as it potentially may have been. But I think it really started opening up when I was 15 and I finally started talking to my parents about my porn addiction and a lot of the shadows that were in my life at that point. But it, like my sister said from Top Gun, it was after that Top Gun workshop that it really started to expand out. So between you two first and then between you and your parents? Yeah, I think it really did start like more openly between me and my sister from that workshop. And then and we probably uh, around 2017, 2018 that it really started kicking off. And I'd like to hear from your parents because you guys come back from this very religious environment. You're in Chumpyong in Korea, in the mountains, in the countryside. And then you come back and start talking about pornography and all this stuff. Was it like, whoa, like, was it very confronting or how did that land? Was that like an atomic bomb in the family or was it just another Wednesday or what? Well, I'm a very intuitive person and I feel people a lot. I knew there was something wrong with my kids. I knew. But you know what? You don't want to see it. I didn't know how to reach my daughter. I wanted she could open to me, but there was no so much struggle. I couldn't see us with my son too. This is a problem sometimes to be too religious in one sense. Yeah, we know the follow men. I talk to them very clear. I never hide it. I talk to them about the true children, the situation with the fall in the world. I was never hiding, right? But it's not easy, I think, because of one sister, you know, they are scared of me because I was very strict or maybe this and that. Sure. So through Anun, we can learn to be more compassionate and understanding the side and why. So even when I found out, I was not angry because who I am, I came from a fallen world and I did a lot of mistakes. So this is the beauty of being humble. Also, like, I think I took it in a very understanding I think the most struggle is my husband. That's the victory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to stay on this for one second. Was it a conversation, Josh? Did you and Angela sit your parents down and just say, hey, we have something to talk about? Or was it just something that kind of slowly rolled out into your family? Was it like an event that occurred? Or <laughs> like what happened? How did this? I mean, this is for the sake of everybody else who hears this and they want to talk. Maybe parents are listening. They want to talk with their kids or kids want to tell their parents. Was it an organic? thing or was it a conscious meeting where you set a schedule or how did it happen? Well, we didn't set a schedule for sure. So Josh had already talked with my parents about his struggle, but I'd never told them anything about my mom. As she said, she like probably guessed or she could tell there was something going on. But every time she tried to talk to me about it, I'd always say like, no, fine. It's, it's all good. Don't worry. And I would change the subject or I'd, you know, leave so that I, we didn't talk about it. And she never pushed me because I guess she knew it was really personal. And when I was ready, I'd talk to her, which when I was ready, I did. So my mom was the one I was most nervous about talking to. 
because I thought she would be ashamed of me. So when we came back from Top Gun that first year, the first person I talked to was Josh at Top Gun. And after... Can I just ask, was that helpful? It was like a starting point? Oh yeah, for sure. Because I didn't even know that Josh was struggling. I thought it was just me by myself. So when I found out my younger brother was also having those problems, I felt really guilty because I went through it myself. So how did I not recognize that he was struggling with it? Or I didn't make myself available for him to talk to about it. And the awkward thing about that was, like, growing up, we had a tough relationship, me and my sister, because I thought she was, like, the purest, most perfect child. And so I resented her for that because I felt I had so many issues growing up. Yeah. And then... I had the same, like, thought process. Like, he was the good one, and I had problems. So this, we had this sort of barrier that kept us from talking about it because we both thought the complete opposite of one another. So when we finally sat down and talked about it, was literally, I think you said, after the talk you gave at Topkin, you said, call somebody on the phone and tell them about your struggles. Like, that was the, something you said, call your mom or your dad or if your sibling's here to talk to them. So as soon as the lecture finished, me and Josh like zoomed to find each wow, other in the lecture crazy. hall. And we both went, I have something to talk to you about. And when we said that yeah. to each other, the both of us were like, oh, really? Oh. <laughs> what? And we sat down and I think all of lunch, we didn't go eat or anything. We just talked about it and went up to the tree of blessing after and prayed. Yeah. One of the leaders at the workshop came up and was like looking at us because, you know, it's like a girl and a guy just sitting on the staircase, like talking and, and we were crying. crying. <laughs> and he was like, look, he came up and was like, siblings? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Keep okay. going. <laughs> <laughs> they probably found a couple of people like that that day. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it and he told me that he had talked to our parents and all in my head I was like, oh, I gotta talk to them when I get home. So I made a promise to myself. The first person I talked to was my mom because I kind of knew she knew something, a little bit something. Mm-hmm. So when I got back, I think maybe the day or two after, I said, Mom, I need to talk to you. We had a little prayer room. We went in there and I talked to her and I told her it was happening. And then after I talked to her and we talked about it for a while, she didn't get upset or anything she was pretty calm she took it quite well probably because she went through a similar thing with my brother and at this point I had dealt with my issue but it was more I kept it a secret for maybe like two years at that point post dealing with it so even though I wasn't struggling anymore I was still terrified to tell anyone like this was a secret I was taking to the grave so after I talked to my mom it was okay it's officially out in the open and then we sat down I talked with my dad both me and my mom sat down and I talked with my dad about it and then it just kind of the ball kept rolling from there and then we all sat down and Josh we discussed what was happening and I remember being so shocked because everyone in my family had dealt with something in one way or another and my whole life growing up I was like it's just me I'm all alone no one knows how this is feeling when the truth was everybody knew but no one talked about it well okay so there's a bunch of stuff that that opened up in my (laughs) mind right (laughs) which is you know as parents you had your kids who were coming to you in a very vulnerable way and giving you difficult information, but they trusted you enough to give it to you. But then you had your own personal stories. Were you filled with fear or anxiety because you weren't perfect? Did you initially want to tell them about your own experience or were you afraid to tell them because you wanted to maintain some sort of, I don't know, illusion of perfection? When they told you, did you automatically tell them that you also are not perfect or did that come a little bit later? I think that have come progressively, really. Before they went to the Top Gun uh, workshop, they knew 
to a certain extent that I had difficulty with that because I had opened up to my wife, maybe not completely, but I had opened up and I was trying to express it out, but it's really not easy. And I was trying also to protect my children. So I didn't want to them to be stained with my own fault and, and guilt. And my daughter, when I used to have those crises where I would go in my little corner and my daughter coined it. She said, are you done going in your emo corner? And <laughs> I think that was the last time I went to my emo corner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is like we had this kind of dynamic going on. This is before that Top Gun. Okay. But when they came back and they opened up with it and Josh started getting involved with High Noon, gradually we started opening up more. And I was able to express to them that I am not the big image to follow. I am just like you. I'm full of problem too. But we can work together as a team, as a family. We can grow together. We can help each other. Yeah. Honestly, it's I've been so much better now. That I believe the relationship with the family, it's not perfect yet. We still have a lot of work to do. Sure. But if I compare to two years ago, it's like day and night. It's much better. Well, okay. I want to get into how it's better in a second, but I'd also like to hear from Auntie Maria about, because mm-hmm. you also mentioned in the beginning of this that you have your own past. So as a strong religious, you said you're very religious too. So I know that's one of the limitations of religion is grace, is like really receiving grace and giving grace. It's hard to embody, right? So how did you allow yourself permission to be flawed in front of your kids when it kind of goes against your faith? Was that a difficult thing? Because I mean, you've already expressed it in this podcast, which means it's a part of the reality of your family that you can open up. So was that an immediate thing that you could also share about your own experience? Did that take some time? I've been always very open to my children. I never hide anything. For me, honestly, even when my personality, when I was not religious, I like honesty. It's my father's side, maybe. He was very righteous. Mm. My mother was very religious. So for me, in the relationship, even the friendship, I like honesty. It's my base. And give and take with that. So I've been married before, seven years, with a person that was Muslim background. So I went to so much hell before that. I was in the free sex mind, peace and love. I enjoy it. You know, I understand what love was I wanted to understand love but I knew was something wrong my conscience told me right so I went to my course my life so I was searching and I asked God or Jesus what is love so for me love is is the sensual point and logically there is the sex part in that and then when I found out and God showed to me the divine principle and I know the fall and I know the past I know what God was and I understand because I, was, I became atheist I didn't believe in God so then when I found out who is God is what was his purpose blah, 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 so I give my life mm. then I stop any pornographic action can be masturbation can be pornographic watching can go to boys, even trying to attract, I just stop it. I gotcha. just dedicate this. So for me, repent, I repent. I say, many parents, I'm your daughter and I will do it. A little bit what Reverend Young said, I'm very understanding what he said. But there's other addiction that we have. Sure, I mean, sure. sleeping addiction, food addiction, watch TV, so many other problems can, not just sex that I overcome. But with my kids, I always been very honest. I was, this is Maria Pio before, that's what I did. I never, I did anything. That's great. And this is what make my children to be what they are. Because even with my husband, I was honest. And he was honest a little bit with me. 
So, <laughs> but I've been honest with He's him. Working He's working on it. Even when I was in the blessing, when she said, he said, what is this? Your name is Maria Pia Tabasi? What is Tabasi? But I didn't know that at the blessing they put, I thought they put my name Tabasi. I didn't know that they said no Mary. They said I was not Mary because in that blessing you could not be Mary. So when he said to me, he said, you, what is this Tabasi? And I was very honest. He said, I was married before Jacques. I saw him very... <laughs> It's <laughs> mine. Just very mad. Blessing was no married. How can she? But I saw his face. I did. I fell in love with him. Honestly, in that moment, I said, "This guy, he loved God." He said, "Well, if God give it to me. Means you are for me." So that was it. Clicked, you know. I think God made that kind of atomic love there. I didn't realize at the time, but honesty is for me in the relationship is the main point. Boom. Integrity, honesty. So that's why I like Anu. You guys are like high noon all the way. It's like you drink yes. high noon. It's amazing. Yes. Well, I'd like to get in to go back. Thank you for that. To go back and talk about what are the Fontaines two years ago? And then there's the Fontaines now. Jacques, you were saying it's night and day. It's totally different. So I'd love to hear from each of you, like your perspective on what are some key differences in how you were as a family two years ago versus today? What I would say the biggest difference is that Two years ago, we were open to talk about sex addiction and chapter two and basically the realm of the fall. But we were talking about it like this is our family and this is the problem, two different things. Sure. Not mixing our family with the fact that our family is part of the problem. So we were always looking at it as something outside. And after high noon, we started embracing the fact that each one of us have our own fallen nature. Each one of us have a lot of imperfection, a lot of flaws, and we can help each other, but we can love one another. We can love ourselves even with our flaws. And we can acknowledge that, yes, I'm not perfect, but I'm on my way. It. It's a work in progress. It's not going to happen just like this, sure. but it's going to happen gradually. So we kind of join hand together as a team in the family and kind of make up our own little hiding group in a sense, but it's 24 seven. That's what we want. Mm. That's exactly high noon. We always view high noon in our groups and all that just to be a classroom. And the real dynamic that we want people to train for is to do this in the family. And so you guys, that's why we're doing this podcast because you are, as far as I can tell, the first official high noon family where all of you are doing this. And I'd like to hear from your kids too. Like, yeah, I want to hear what was it like two years ago? And like, what was it now? What was it like now? Is it because Johnny, you're going through these groups yourself. Is it kids your age never talk to their parents about anything? by the way, usually the parents, I'm, my kids are getting older and already I'm like, how's your day? Good. What'd you do? I don't know. You got nothing, no information coming in whatsoever. So the fact that you can talk about deep stuff makes you a superhero in, in some ways. So is it easier to talk to your parents now or is it still awkward or like? Oh, it's definitely easier. Before you barely, my, well, okay. Not barely. I was playing games a lot of the day, so. But I didn't really communicate with them. I was just, yeah, I'm good. We did fun school. I didn't really talk. Now it's actually going to conversation with them. We talk, we talk about religion different things, mostly religion with my mom. percent <laughs> <laughs> of our conversations. When you have like a fear or a question, do you find yourself going and asking your parents more now? Or is it still like you wait for them to start the conversation? Or do you initiate conversation? No, I will go to them. Mostly it's my sister. <laughs> but, but I still go to them. 
when I need, when I have a problem or I have a fear or something. That's really cool. And is that a new thing that you've learned to do? Yes, definitely. Once I got into the Hyman groups, it was something I noticed. That's so cool. And what can you tell me, like, if you can, what does it feel like before when you felt like you couldn't talk about deep stuff with your family and your parents and your sister versus now? Is Do you feel more free? Do you feel more like yourself? Or what does it feel like? Yes. There's so much less stress and problems now. I, I just feel free. I can talk to them. I don't have to feel scared or anything. Oh, I might actually slip up and they'll realize. No, I don't have to feel that because they know. Got it. That's really cool. And is it still hard? Do you still, let's say you're struggling, is there still that hesitation or is it, or immediately you just go no, straight to your family? It's not something easier to talk about. It's still a little hesitation, but I still go to them. That's awesome. And I'm trying to just paint a real picture because I think this is a, I don't want anybody to feel like this is easy, right? Even though you guys have been working at this for years, it's still work every single time to continue being honest takes work. So. So I'd like to talk to Angela and Josh for a second, because this is something that I still can't believe exists, which is such an open relationship between brother and sister, because I know, Angela, that you act as Josh's accountability to an extent, like you guys still like, there's the initial conversation that you had in Chumpyong, but that didn't stop there, right? We definitely have a very unique relationship with siblings because even like other people, most other people, when I tell them how close we are, they're really surprised. They're like, oh, my brother sits on my head and parts on you. You would <laughs> never do that. <laughs> most people, especially brothers and sisters, don't have as close a relationship as we do. Yeah. I think even in high school, we were really close. I would say he was my best friend and people would be like, really? They'd be shocked. And I don't yeah. know if he thought I was his best friend in high school, but definitely once we hit university we were much very very close and I think part of it is as we matured we began to see past our own interpretations of each other and started to see more of each other for who we were I thought he was like the perfect golden boy child growing up and I was the one with all the issues and he had the same interpretation of me and that blocked our communication it caused a lot of arguments mm -hmm. for no reason when we were kids oh so many <laughs> so many Some weird really arguments ridiculous ones. but all kids have those and then once we hit high school I think because we moved so far away from our church community so we were the only second gen within like a two hour radius of each other. So we only had each other to talk to each other. We only had each other to talk to about specific things like religious things or not even religious, but how we view the world in a principled viewpoint. I can't talk to some of my friends about that because I don't get it. Sure. He can't do that either. So in high school, we started developing this closer relationship and bond where we could just talk. Yeah, and it was a strange progression. It, when we moved to Canada, and it really was like only us within our community, right? We had friends from school. We had friends. We had friends. I mean, I hope we'd have friends. And, <laughs> but yeah, there is a difference being able to bond with somebody who grew up in a similar way as you. So it was funny because we even acknowledged that we had a really rough relationship growing up. And it was a point, like, there was a genuine feeling of hate that I had towards my sister when I was young. And I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, she had no idea. But I had that. And when we got, I don't know, it was like two years we were in Canada and we had gone to a workshop with our church community. And one of the kids at the church was like, wow, you and your sibling are like really close. And we were like, oh yeah, you're right. 
We didn't even realize that we were getting closer. And then, I don't know, it just really developed from there. And like she said, when we got to college, university, it kind of just continued to get deeper. And I think it was after we really opened up at Top Gun. That's when it really started developing because we kind of got out that all of the deep, crappy secrets that were kind of just a wall that were separating us got just out. It kind of helped us realize that like it was a fake wall that we put up. Yeah. And our parents also really helped us in this sense because my dad has so many siblings and they live very far away from him. And my mom only has one brother, but they have a very rocky relationship. So they'd always emphasize like the importance of being each other's brother and sister. They always tell me that you have to take care of your younger brothers. They're your little brothers, you know, you're the oldest, you have to watch and take care of them. So for me, I always tried to be a good big sister, which prevented me from being the kind of sister that like badly bullies. I'm not going to say I didn't do mean things and tease my <laughs> brothers because I for sure did. She still does. She I still, still does. do. But it was never as bad as some of the things I hear other people do. Like I hear some siblings who are, they almost kill each other sometimes. I'm like, sure. yeah. Oh, crazy. I think the worst I did was like, I don't um, know, I gave Josh whiplash by accident. But it was not on purpose. It was an accident. <laughs> yeah, when I like dropped a toy on his head. Okay, in terms of like sexual integrity, again, I know some siblings that are pretty close, especially when it's opposite sex, that they will be close on a certain amount of topics. But in terms mm. of sexuality, that's where they draw the line because it's the opposite sex and that you're dealing with an entirely different animal. <laughs> so you've been accountable to each other to a certain extent. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because I just want to help people understand what that might look like because it's so foreign for most people. He's mad open-minded, Josh. He will literally talk about anything. So after he started High Noon, he had this like huge inspiration and he would talk to me about all of it. And I guess I was a lot more conservative than I thought because when he first started talking, I was kind of like, whoa, that's a little bit surprising. But at the same time, maybe it's because I'm studying psych, so I'm good at listening and being and hearing what other people say. So I just kind of sat and listened to all the he would like almost go on a rant and tell me things. And then it would turn into a conversation and we'd wind up talking till like five in the morning. Yeah, and wow. we did that. I think that happened. First time that happened, I think was after Top Gun, where we talked for so long for such deep stuff. Yeah, I moved away as well. After Top Gun, a year after we finished Top Gun, I moved out of the school and we really connected at that time as well. Like having 5 a.m. phone talks. Because we didn't see each other. So there was no other opportunity to talk so we would take advantage of oh you don't have work tomorrow or school or anything okay we're just gonna talk and then <laughs> it would, wouldn't just be for an hour it would be two and then three hours and yeah. then it's 5 a.m and we're not asleep yet <laughs> and i do this with my mom too <laughs> this is like a fontaine family mm. thing i think the biggest aspect of it though to go really deep into the sexual integrity side of things and i acknowledge it more now than i did before but at a subconscious level i acknowledged that if i ever slipped up or I ever had relapses in porn, masturbation, fantasizing, anything in that realm, if I didn't talk to my, especially my sister and my mom, then I would continue to struggle. It wouldn't go away. I would be able to go maybe a week, but it would always continue to come back and it wouldn't get any better. But then as soon as I would talk to them, I was always able to reset. And I was always able to pull myself back to a point where I could refresh my mind to really begin again. 
So, so what, what do you think that is? What is it about talking mm. to your family that nips something in the bud for a while that stops the yeah. beast? The really cool thing is each of them responds differently okay. to how I share. So my dad is very understanding because he's gone through similar experiences, which is nice because it's easier to open up to him. My brother's in a similar light, but my brother's also like, Josh, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> he's your conscience. Just don't do it. What are you doing? Get better. <laughs> It's really cute sometimes. Whereas my sister, while she acknowledges it, she also takes it as like a very seriously and doesn't allow me to slack as well. She really tries to push like, no, why did you do that? What brought up the feelings that you needed to go and act out? What makes you continue to do that? Why are you so like in your head right now? She really doesn't allow me to just lie to myself about it. No excuses. She really pulled it out of me. And that would make me sometimes like just scream and shout. And, you know, I had to get out like all these inner demons to really get to the deep stuff. And then my mom really makes me have to get the compassionate side of my mistakes really impact somebody because it really hurt my mom. Every time I slip, she takes it so personally because she loves me so deeply. And I don't say that lightly because she loves me so deeply, more than I can express in words. And she always knows when I'm struggling. Sometimes she'll like call me 10 minutes after I slip and she'll be like, how are you doing? <laughs> Mom radar. So strange. And that's not just a one-time thing. She'll do that like, she'll like, you know, within a day, she's always catching me. I don't even live at home and she still like can feel it. It's crazy. It's incredible. Um, but when I live at home, it's even more. But she always knows. And when I tell her, it, it gets to her deeply. And so I have to listen to her kind of vent. And it makes me understand that like that's every person responds really differently. Yeah. On my future spouse, I have no idea how she's going to respond to it. Well, I was just going to say, this is really amazing training because because I think a lot of people live in pretty deep isolation and yeah. they have no idea how much their actions impact others. And you're getting good practice because yeah, you're like getting a wide array. <laughs> responses to it. So it really prepares me in like how to deal with every response for it. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think a big part of it is just that they take it so seriously as well that when I know as hard as it is to come and tell them that when I do, it helps me so much. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of struggle, but it also helps me so much. And it does get easier. It's been three years now, and it's a lot easier now than it was even like six months ago to come and tell them. Also, because he knows that if he doesn't tell us and we find out in a different way, then we're even more yeah. upset. Ah, <laughs> then the plates start time. crashing. Yeah. Ooh, you guys go full Italian. That. Yeah, she gets my Covenant Eyes report and finds something and I didn't tell her beforehand. Oh my gosh. That's when I get up angry. Yeah. I don't, if he slips up or he's struggling or something and he comes and tells me, I'm never upset because I, I get it. I went through that too. It's when he's struggling and he doesn't come tell me, that's when I get upset because... I'm holding it. I'm lying about yeah. it. Yeah. And he knows I'm not going to judge or be upset with him. The reason he doesn't come tell me is just because he's trying to... I get in my head and I say, I can do it myself. I don't need to tell you. Know, it was one time thing. Pride? But it's never know. like that. It's pride. 100% pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. And then in terms of, you know, the long-term game, because Josh, like none of you guys are perfect. Some of you have made more progress than others, right? Some of you have less of a relationship with pornography, but we all have fallen nature and all that. So in terms of the long game, like for any families listening, do you guys have any systems set up? Is it just kind of implicit that 
if somebody's struggling that you talk about it or do you have family meetings or is it kind of casual or is there anything formal that you've put into place as a family to make sure that everybody's kind of moving forward or do you just deal with that as it comes? Well, I can give uh, my version of the answer and then maybe I'll let my wife give the, uh, her version of the answer. I love it. I love it. I hope there's similar answers. <laughs> <laughs> we do have gathering. We try every night to close the day together as a family. We share. Particularly since uh, was it like a, about was it like about three four weeks ago, we started like almost every night we're gonna have a deep talk together and close the day and uh, and we finish with a prayer and we bow to each other, oh, wow. bow out of respect to each other. And we are not perfect. We have a lot of a long way to go still, but I can definitely see like we're improving radically literally we're improving and uh, we are striving for sexual integrity but not just sexual integrity in communication with one another it's not easy because i have tendency to close myself in my little shell uh, more corner not necessarily more corner but in my family there's a lot of bachelor and we have like a bachelor spirit pretty much everybody in my family like that that makes it not always easy to express and communicate well sure so but we're trying hard and it's improving nice now let's hear the other side of that <laughs> like they call me the religious lady right <laughs> big johnny is the youngest one so i feel like he got it by this his, his brother and by Josh and Angela. We caught him in the beginning. So, but he has other addiction that he needs to overcome. So, what Reverend Yam said, participation. So, I'm trying to be in the family, participating, and not just watch always TVs. Another addiction of phone all the time. So, this is also a tribute can go in that kind of field. To, you know, sex is a big problem. But Jonathan, we made a condition that he wrote. So anytime he had a feeling or thoughts or anything, he comes to me and talk to me or with Angela. If he has bad dreams or anything, you know, make him struggle. Sure. So this is the way I'm trying to help him. Sure, he needs to do his own way too. He needs to pray more. He needs to think about internal more. No, I'm not saying no religious, but more helping others, serving others, you know, sure. not just this is other things can help. So be selfish or do other things, you know, can produce the desire to other sexual desire can come like that. I don't know, but be selfish can be part of it. Absolutely. So being serving and humble and helping the house or do things. So I don't know, something more public can help. So this is where I'm trying to guiding them, guide myself. And I know blab is a plus and other things. And we try to reach the I'm so perfection we can call. We sure, can call sure. that perfection. But be happy. Mm. We have want to be a happy family. <laughs> That's what is our goal. Be have people with integrity that we can give to other people. Oh, wow, there is hope. I try to be a good mommy. I try. You are a great mommy. She's a great mom. I don't know about wife. I have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> it's my big struggle. <laughs> I think just on that last question, it came from me, but it came the idea of having like family meetings. Because I know that for my own struggles, having coming, talking to my whole family really helps reset. But we started doing that a few weeks ago and... What's come out has been a lot more than just my own problem. It's been a lot of family troubles, just like different areas. But just that whole idea of like trying to hit the ideal family 
the whole purpose of wanting to have these family meetings is to really just disclose any struggles we have on our hearts. So it's not just building up. I think we're all at a point of just being sick of all of the lies that we've had growing up and we kind of just want to get it out. Um, and that's really hard to do. You know, it's really hard to sit and listen to how much we irritate each other sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Just like the more we do it, the more I can see we're getting better at just getting a lot of struggles out and figuring out how to slowly help each other through it. And it's a long process to do. I'm expecting this to be like many more years of digging and many more years of honest discussions and having to work together as a family to get it out. But it's just so valuable. And to me, it's so valuable to just like slowly try to get each other's hearts. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to start. And what Hainun really wishes for everybody and what we're trying to help create is radiant individuals and radiant families. So that means that the conversations can gradually progress from a place of talking about what irritates you to getting all that out, addressing it, and then moving on to lifting each other up and helping each other achieve your goals and dreams and experience winning together and loving more deeply and success and all that. That's what we hope for you. So you have such a good foundation for that as a family because you can't get to where you want to go if you're chained to your your difficulties, your past, your fallen nature, all this stuff. So I think you guys are, you're setting yourselves up very well for an amazing future. So congratulations on that. And do you have any parting words of advice? How about the parents? If you could give any words of wisdom to other parents listening and then the kids, any words of wisdom to people your age? Yeah. I would like to give a word of wisdom. Here we're talking of sexual integrity, but integrity is not just sexual. Integrity is in your relationship. Integrity is in your perception of life. And it is just important to be honest with ourselves. I'm trying to be honest with myself and I still have some dark secret that even me don't want to look at them. As far as God knows, we have 6,000 years of secrets. So, So they're not easy to dig out. But you dig one out, it uncovers another one. And if we can take them out gradually like this. But it's very important to not have like a closed mind on something, really our mind open, because we don't know what is hankering us, stopping us from growing. But if we are honest with ourselves and we're honest with those around us, we will be able to take those anchor off, take those bullets off our lives and move forward. Doing this, we can, like what Dr. Young is telling us, we can invest all of our life for God. It's wonderful advice. Yeah, thank you. My advice to, I don't know if it is broadcasting, will be to our uh, brother and sister from our church. I, I really don't know. But anyway, I would like to say that we have to not be fanatic. Yeah. Because I see, I'm sorry, even with a mother of integrity, I feel very free to speak, open up my heart. But with other sisters in our movements and time, I don't have that feeling. I felt really judged by my past. So I really like to say to all brother and sister, even the leaders, we cannot be fanatic. You know, Anun is a beautiful um, way to, people can open up their heart. Sometimes in our movement, they cannot open up. I did myself, I could not. So I really say leaders in our movement, we need to open our heart. We have to not be fanatic. If this is good, as connected with a good desire of any parents, 
let's do it. Let's make it that open and harmonizing together. Do things, feel like, you know, Catholic, they've been always fanatic, all, you know, inquisition, all these things. Our movement cannot be like that. Sure, we are sure. parental, we have to be different. So please, no fanatism. I don't like it. <laughs> Great, thank you. What about the siblings? Any words of wisdom? Something that you've learned? I think the biggest thing is not to get so in your head and think this is just a you thing because nothing is ever just a you thing. It's a world thing. I struggled for seven years all by myself thinking that no one would get it. No one understands. It's all me. I'm by myself, which in a way was a bit selfish of me to think so because now I know far more people than I would ever wish to know, to struggle with such a thing as struggling too. Maybe every person in the world in one way or another is struggling with this. And now that I know that, it's almost worse. But at the same time, it's opened up so many opportunities for me to talk to people. And it, that started with my brother. And being able to open up to him about what I had gone through was such a relief because it was no longer something that was weighing me down or weighing me back. Now I feel like I can go forward and do things that I couldn't do. The idea of, of the matching and blessing was kind of scary to me because I was like, how am I going to tell anybody about my past when I can't even tell my family? And you have to do, in the matching, you have to do like a confession almost. That confession. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was scary. And now it's not scary anymore. Nice. It's easy now. It's easy now. And it's because I finally opened up and talked to people. Mm -hmm which doesn't give this power over me anymore. My past has no power on me. It's my future that has power now and my choices that I make in that future. I so cool. made the choice to talk with my brother and talk with my family. I'm making the choice to talk with other sisters who are struggling when they need me to, which isn't easy. That's hard to do because I'm opening myself and putting myself out there. That's a little scary. But I do it because I don't want them to go through what I did. And when you think about it this way, it's not nearly as bad of a thing as you think it is. It's not scary. Sure. You know? And sure, people might be upset or hurt, but in the long run, it only gets better because mm. now the truth is out there. And when the truth is out there, the truth sets you free. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Mom's favorite quote. Thank you. Don't die. Oh my God. <laughs> This is a video game. <laughs> they weren't some real life, though. Okay. I mean, that's fine. That's good advice. I was thinking about it. So now I won't. I'll protect my little brother. I won't make him too shy here. I think on a positive note, on a really like a beautiful side of it, I like at this stage in my life now at how open I feel with my family, nothing my parents can say about anything of their past or anything they're going through shakes me anymore. Like they could tell me anything like any of the struggles that they go through, genuinely, I have no fear that it's gonna shake how much I love them. Anything my siblings tell me, I'm not afraid that it's gonna shake how much I love them at all because there's, while it's a growing amount, it's a solid foundation of integrity and love and honesty. And I don't know, I really understand their hearts. And I have no fear to talk to my parents about what is sex. I have no fear to talk to my parents about how's your sex life going or how's your relationship and just go deeping into that. And it's really fun in a way just to like hear them open up about that realm as well. That's something that I want so many people to be able to go through and be able to experience. I want so many parents to be able to feel comfortable to talk to their kids in that way as well. It's beautiful. That's really cool. Yeah. It's very admirable. Yeah. 
I can say a little something. You know that that also brings some uh, situations that are a little funny. Also, when uh, my son comes to me and say, "Daddy, go love your wife." <laughs> That's so heavenly. What's more pure than a son who wants his dad to love his wife? It's wonderful. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I mean, this is really necessary. This conversation because it's something that I think if you were to tell a lot of people. Just in regular society, that such a family exists, they would fall off their chairs. And if you told people, even in our movement, that such a family exists, I think a lot of people would still have a hard time believing. Just because it's been the habit of humanity to hide and to run since the beginning, right? As we know. So I really wanted to highlight all of your hard work that you've put into your family and into yourself, and help other people see this as a potential prospect for their own future. Because there's nothing that makes you guys, in particular, superheroes, other than the fact that you are prioritizing integrity. You're prioritizing like being honest with each other and working through stuff instead of ignoring it. That's your superpower as a family. So thank you for opening up, and more importantly, thank you for putting in all this work and being. You're the. I don't want to put labels on you for the sake of hurting anybody else's feelings, but. As far as I can tell, you're the first high noon family that I've ever heard about. That I would give like the high noon stamp. Just really committed to the high noon virtues, and I'm very proud to know you guys. And I'm proud that you're living in Canada, knowing that Canada is safe because the Fontaines are there. And, uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for showing up today, and thank you a big special thanks to Aunt Maria for overcoming your hatred or fear or whatever of podcasts <laughs> and showing up. <laughs> Maybe God wants to teach me. Thank you guys so much, and, and thank uh, you for having us. My pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. Hey, before you go, I wanted you to consider checking out High Noon Connect. So if you go to our website, highnoon.org, you'll notice first of all we have a brand new website, which is beautiful, and also you'll notice that there's the opportunity to join High Noon Connect. The essence of what High Noon is morphing into is a community. We are better together, and sexual integrity involves other people. Okay, if you're struggling with pornography, you need the help of brothers and sisters, of people in a community dedicated to helping lift you up. And even if you're not, if you're in a relationship and you just want more intimacy, more love, more joy, or if you're single and you just want to be a person. That can live according to their values in the area of sexuality, and you want to be around a group of people who are fighting in the same way. Then please go to highnoon.org and sign up for High Noon Connect. There's a free version and a paid version. We want to make this as accessible as possible, and we're a nonprofit, so we're not trying to make a buck here. We're just trying to create a community off of Facebook that gives a focused conversation, focused energy, focused attention on building sexual integrity. As a cultural intention, so go to highnoon.org. We'll see you there.